Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On Air with the Chair. I'm your MEC chairman, Captain Adam Spurrier, and I'm joined here today with our co-host, your MEC vice chairman, Captain Peter Ruhlman. Hey, Adam, thanks for having me on, and congratulations on your new position as our MEC chair. Thanks, Peter. It's a privilege to be sitting here today, not only in this role, but to be continuing the successful podcast that we started a couple years ago. Time and time again, when we talk to the new hire pilots or when we get feedback from our pilots out on the line, this continues to be one of the more popular modes of communication that we have with our pilot group. Yeah, the podcast has been extremely popular and we've gotten a lot of response from new hires saying that they even listen to the podcast before they get here on property, which for us, you know, for me, that that sounds fantastic. But for the viewers who don't know much about you, Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing, Peter. I've been with Endeavor for almost five years now in April. I started back in 2018, just a couple of weeks before you actually. And funny enough, Peter and I went through some of our new hire sims together out in Phoenix. So we've known each other for years before getting into Alpa work originally. And it's just sort of came full circle that we both end up in these roles at our association. I'm currently a New York 900 captain. I won't need to make that clarification for long since it sounds like the days of the 200 are just right around the corner. But in my time as a first officer, I was based in New York, a short stint in Detroit, as well as Minneapolis for a few years prior to upgrading. Prior to being elected in the chairman role this last January, succeeding our last chair, Captain Nick James, who is now first officer Nick James at Delta, (laughs) I served in a variety of roles for the association, both at Endeavor and at the national level. Yeah, you're the current fee for departure committee chairman at National right now, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. I currently am the chairman of the National Fee for Departure Committee, which is a side commitment that I have on top of my work here at the Endeavor level. And previous to getting into these two roles, I've done a handful of other things at Endeavor, such as the Minneapolis Secretary Treasurer for a couple of years. I was on the Grievance Committee in addition to the Negotiations Committee most recently. Relating to that experience on the negotiations committee is actually why we're sitting down today for this specific podcast. Peter and I have tried to get our schedules to line up for a couple weeks now since the January election to be able to record a podcast and get it out to the pilot group, but we haven't had the schedule coordination yet or really a general topic for it. Yeah, you know, our schedules haven't quite lined up yet with vacation and other commitments going on right now, but we are committed to keeping this uh, podcast going and we actually have some pretty great plans on further increasing interaction uh, with the pilot group as a whole, not only on this medium, but also a few upcoming base visits. Yeah, the first of those base visits right now we're looking to hold towards the end of April, where the MEC officers will go out into the domiciles, be set up in the crew room throughout the day with up-to-date information on the MEC, in addition to an opportunity to have face-to-face interactions with your MEC officers and your LEC reps. And this is just one step that we're taking to further solidify our investment in the communications that we do from in the MEC level to you and from you back to us. We're doing these base visits. We're engaging more of our P2P committee. Um, we are also planning to do our live stream here in the coming future. We don't have a date set for that right now, but it will be coming as we have topics to discuss. Yeah, those are just a few of our great communications products. We always like to say if you aren't informed, you kind of have to go out of your way to not receive our information. We're, we're persistent like that. 
But of course, the main reason we're sitting down today is to talk about the new involuntarily assigned upgrade program. Several weeks ago, the company first approached the association informing us that captain staffing at Endeavor was reaching a point where they were going to exercise their options under Section 24D2E to assign a pilot to a vacant position, specifically to a vacant captain position. Under the current JCBA, which does date back to 2011, Section 24D2E allows the company to facilitate or effectuate an involuntary assignment. However, we don't really have a set procedure of how this will be unfolded. The language establishes that the junior most pilots will be upgraded first, but beyond that, we don't have any other oversight or safety stipulations in place for these involuntary upgrades. Following a sit-down between the company and the ELPA Safety Committee, we were able to run a safety risk assessment which outlined a couple of key areas or key protections that we might want to pursue in order to give a safer outcome to the involuntary upgrades. In addition to the permanent safety aspect, we were also able to negotiate some temporary protections for those pilots currently qualified to take an upgrade and electing not to. And finally, we negotiated with the company to have an additional retention opt-in point for those first officers who had previously bypassed on it under the impression that they would be remaining in the right seat for a longer period of time. What we'll do on the podcast today is break down those three separate areas of this negotiation and give a little bit more information on what those programs entail, as well as how we got to that point with the company. So you mentioned our safety risk assessment. A safety is our number one priority here. What were some of the recommendations that led to what we now see in this TA language? Following the recommendations of that safety risk assessment, there were four main areas that we were able to get some additional safety guidelines put in place. And each of these will be permanent safety mechanisms in the JCBA preventing pilots from being subjected to an involuntarily assigned upgrade. The first of these safety gates is for those pilots who have unsuccessfully gone through the long-term training footprint already and are still subject to a category freeze. Essentially what this means is that for those pilots still under a freeze due to the unsuccessful training events, they would have the option to voluntarily upgrade down the road, but for the duration of that freeze, they won't be involuntarily upgraded. Oftentimes, corresponding with an unsuccessful training footprint is a pilot's entry into the Enhanced Oversight Program, or EOP. Through this negotiation with the company, we were able to expand on the entry to the EOP and give pilots an opportunity who don't feel comfortable upgrading from a safety aspect to voluntarily enter the EOP. These pilots may voluntarily initiate the EOP process by reaching out to the Director of Operations or their designee at the company. And for those who aren't familiar with the EOP, essentially what this program entails is additional observation, check-ins with the training department and management, as well as additional line checks throughout the year. It's a way for the company and the training and testing committee to ensure that a pilot is on track, they are learning, they are getting better, and it's a really good safety mechanism that we have in place. So by allowing the voluntary entry for the EOP, this allows our our pilots now to say, as Adam said, I don't feel safe going to the left seat at this time. Uh, I would like some extra observation before I do so. So while the EOP is a non-punitive program, it is logged under the FAA's pilot records database, which is what's replacing PREA, as a special tracking event. So while it's non-punitive, it is recorded. The other two permanent mechanisms we negotiated 
were both related to flight hours. The first being a 250-hour flight time at the company requirement, and the second being a 950 Part 121 hour requirement, both of which were identified during the safety risk assessment. In a normal environment where the company is not seeking to do involuntary upgrades, we do have contractual upgrade requirements in place already, which are 2,300 total flight hours and 800 hours at the company. However, when there's not enough captains to fill those positions already, those upgrade requirements can be reduced down to zero hours each, as long as you do meet the regulatory requirement. The company has invoked that section for a few vacancies now, is that not correct? That's exactly right, Peter. And as of recording of this podcast in March of 2023, those hour requirements have been reduced either partially or all the way to zero since about a year ago. And that's where we get new hires or the proverbial term street captains coming in with zero hours at the company. So with those minimums reduced, we were able to secure the 250 hour clause here for those pilots who may have taken time off from the industry and then decided to come uh, in the right seat first in order to learn our procedures, our airspace, our uh, flight techniques, things like that before they upgrade back into the left seat. So for those pilots who want to enter our ranks here at Endeavor as a direct entry captain, this will not prohibit them from doing so. But for those who wish to enter as a right seat, now we have contractual language to allow them to reach 250 company flight hours before being put into the left seat. This gives that buffer to learn the procedures, the airspace, etc. And as we referenced previously, the final safety mechanism we got in place was the 950 hours of qualifying Part 121 436 time. Currently, our pilots are able to go to upgrade class at 950 or 975 hours on the assumption that they'll get the rest of their flight time before they finish Captain OE. This is because when you're sitting in the left seat on OE, you're still actually flying as the second in command of the aircraft with your line check pilot signing as the PIC. This new contractual 950-hour mark to protect a pilot from an involuntarily assigned upgrade, one, prevents the pilot from being assigned an advanced upgrade, which was another program that was negotiated under LOA 130, and secondarily, it prevents any erosion of the federal flight time minimums to be a captain in a 121 airline. Recently, we've seen other regional airlines petition to lower the bottom end entry requirements to be a first officer to help with their staffing issues. So it's not too far off to think that another regional might attempt lowering the captain qualifications to solve their staffing issues. This safety mechanism puts a broad safety limitation into our contract permanently that can't be bypassed by changed federal regulations. In addition to those four permanent safety mechanisms that were negotiated into our contract, we also have some temporary provisions in place for those first officers who currently have more than 950 hours of qualifying flight time at the time this agreement is signed, and have already bypassed upgrading to captain. Once the company has exhausted their voluntary upgrades or movements per bid from the right seat to the left seat, then they will go down the path of these involuntary upgrades. For those pilots designated as an involuntarily assigned upgrade on the initial award, you will have one of two options from that point. So now that we've covered the permanent safety measures in paragraph A of the TA, Paragraph B covers more of the pilots who have the qualifying hours to be involuntarily upgraded upon date of signing. While we sought in negotiations to have the following language cover all pilots going forward, that was not a point that we could reach with the company, unfortunately. 
Instead, those pilots who currently have 950 hours of qualifying flight time, as identified in Appendix A of this tentative agreement, which outlines your eligibility for the enhanced protections that we were able to negotiate. Once the company has exhausted all of the voluntary movement per bid from the right seat to the left seat is the point that they would begin looking at the pilots from this appendix for the involuntary upgrades. When you're subjected to an involuntary upgrade on the initial award, for a pilot from this appendix, you would have one of two options. Your first option is to withdraw from the involuntary upgrade and be subjected to a 48-month status freeze as a first officer. I know for me, 48 months sounds like a very long time to be frozen. However, we wanted to capture this protection for those pilots who may want to remain as a career first officer and not move to the left seat. Now, in an environment where the company is trying to capture as many captain qualified pilots as they can, this was a little bit of an interesting move on their part. Though it may not be apparent at first, the company does actually get a gain from this provision as well. It allows them to more accurately outline what their staffing outlook is for the next several years. They have a definitive pool of those pilots who will be a first officer, while knowing that the remainder of the seniority list will eventually become a captain at Endeavor. While there may be a circumstance in the future where the company wants to negotiate out of this provision and allow pilots the option to upgrade early from their 48-month freeze, at this point in time, we have no reason to believe that that's an avenue that will be pursued. Therefore, this option should only be taken by those pilots who are committed to at least the next four years remaining in the right seat. The other option for those pilots covered under Appendix A of this agreement is to be subjected to the involuntary upgrade with a couple stipulations. Through negotiations, we were able to secure a majority of the displaced pilot benefits under Section 24E, with two exceptions, however. These pilots will still be subjected to a 12-month freeze upon completion of their upgrade training, and they will not retain their originally awarded vacation periods like a displaced pilot normally would. And Adam, I, I think a question that, re- that will arise from this is, involuntary upgrade. Was that not considered a displacement before? That's correct. An assigned upgrade or an involuntarily assigned upgrade, forced upgrade, regardless of the terminology, they ultimately are not displaced pilots. As far as the JCBA goes, we do have specific language in 24E handling what a displacement looks like for a pilot. We've experienced a lot of these recently through the wind down of the 200 domiciles in Minneapolis, Detroit, and now Atlanta, where these displaced pilots have additional protections such as carrying their vacation to their new position, in addition to bidding the domicile that their seniority can hold outright. On the other hand, the language for an involuntary upgrade only makes reference to an assignment, which is not defined in the JCBA. And that kind of goes back to the original language from this Masaba contract in 2011, where the assignment language used in this section does not appear anywhere else in our contract. So we reached out to previous legal counsel to confirm the intent behind this language and such, but we're unable to draw a correlation between an assignment and a displacement. Thus, through these negotiations, as you've said, we were able to get some of these temporary displacement benefits for pilots who will be initially affected through these involuntarily assigned upgrades that will appear in Appendix A. While it certainly doesn't make up for being uprooted from your position in the right seat, for those pilots who have already bypassed on an upgrade, it does provide a few additional benefits. 
The final benefit for these pilots covered under Appendix A of this agreement is there is a slightly broader entry point for the EOP. As we talked about a couple minutes ago, the permanent change to the EOP entry process requires the concurrence of the Director of Operations. However, for these pilots covered under Appendix A, the approval can come from either the DO or the MEC chairman or their designees. The last component of this agreement and certainly one that I've already received questions on, is what about the pilots who bypassed the early captain pay and are now going to be faced with an involuntarily assigned upgrade? A lot of people are wondering, will I now be eligible for the benefits received by past pilots that I passed up, believing that I was going to be able to remain in the right seat for an extended period of time? This component to the agreement was probably the easiest part of negotiations as both sides had a desire to see an additional opportunity put forth for those pilots who had already declined the early captain pay provisions from LOA 134 and 135. The implementation for this will be that in the 21 days following ratification of this agreement, there will be an additional opt-in window for those pilots who previously declined, separate to the Part 121 hours report ran on the 1st and 16th of every month for pilots reaching 750 flight hours. The implementation of this 21-day window will follow the same procedures that we outlined in paragraph B5 of LOA 135, where there's a set 21-day window that a pilot will have the ability to opt in for the early captain pay, in addition to the overarching $110,000 pilot retention program. As a reminder, one modification from LOA 130 to LOA 135 was that there is no longer a $20,000 first officer opt-in point. Instead, that was replaced with the early captain pay provisions. And for those pilots, your first retention payment will come upon completion of Captain OE. While again, this is another optional entry point to the pilot retention program, you can still elect to not participate at this point in time and instead have another opportunity upon completion of your captain upgrade. One very important thing to note with a pilot participating in the captain retention program is this is viewed as a voluntary upgrade, and those pilots will not have the involuntary benefits such as the 48-month first officer freeze or the additional displacement pilot benefits afforded to those who are taking an involuntarily assigned upgrade from Appendix A. Well, Adam, I think that pretty much well covers the TA that we have in front of us now. I'd like to take a minute and remind uh, our listeners that if you have questions on this TA or you want to give your feedback, comments, reach out to your LEC representatives. You can throw a dart as well or reach out to your MEC officers. The comment period will be ongoing for about five days after the release of this podcast. So please ask questions and give your comments to your representatives. In addition to reaching out to your reps on this tentative agreement, for any feedback or suggestions on the podcast, please reach out to edvonair at elpa.org. That concludes this episode of On Air with the Chair. Thanks for joining me today, Peter. Definitely going to take some uh, getting used to recording these, but I appreciate your patience and all of the outtakes we had recording this today. Fly safe, be safe, and we'll see you out on the line. Take care, everyone. Send everything to 531, runway 28, quit the line.